0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Recovery is and Awesome. My name is Robo and my day of grace is May the 7th, 2010 and I am as grateful for that today as I know how to be. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining me today and giving me a listen, taking time out of your busy schedule. I do appreciate it. Today we're going to talk about step five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Now when I was new in this program and I looked at that, uh, I thought it was it was kind of silly to me. You know, we admitted to God. Well, if God is this omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing being, he already knows, right? He knows everything that I did, everything that I thought, everything that I felt. Uh, admitted to ourselves, well, you know, the, I kind of know the author to that story, right? And to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, to another human being, you mean I am supposed to tell another person uh, all of my... my my whole life story, my thoughts, my actions, um, all the traumatic stuff that happened to me, um, you know, fat chance, you know, that, that shit, that ain't happening. Uh, And then my sponsor gave me two books, gave me, gave me our, our hymnal, and he gave me the 12 and 12. And I'd like to read uh, out of both of those today uh, because this kind of, it changed my mindset. Uh, It gave me the direction to go ahead and do step five. Uh, And it also gave me a couple promises. And it also gave me the reasons uh, why I needed to do this. So, page 55 of the 12 and 12 under step 5. All of AA's 12 step asks us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than step 5. But scarcely any step is more necessary to long time, sobriety, and peace of mind as this one. So, did I want long time, long-term long sobriety? 100%. Uh, again, we only do this one day at a time. Uh, peace of mind. Yes, I will take peace of mind. Thank you. Uh, going back to it. AA experience has taught me that we cannot live alone with our pressing problem and the character defects which cause or aggravate them. If we have swept the searchlight of step four back and forth over our careers, and it has revealed in stark relief those experiences we'd rather not remember, if we have come to know how wrong thinking and action have hurt us and others, then the need to quit living by ourselves with those tormenting ghosts of yesterday gets more urgent than ever. We have to talk to somebody about them. So intense, though, is our fear and reluctance to do this that many of us, first try to bypass step five. We search for an easier way, which usually consists of the general and fairly painless admission that when we were drinking, we were sometimes bad actors. Then, for good measure, we add dramatic descriptions of that part of our drinking behavior, which our friends probably know about anyhow. But the things which really bother and burn us, we say nothing. Certain distressing or humiliating memories we tell ourselves ought not to be shared with anyone. These will remain our secret. Not a soul must ever know. We hope they'll go to the grave with us. Yet, if AA's experience means anything at all, this is not only unwise, but is actually a perilous resolve. Few muddled attitudes have caused us more trouble than holding back on step five. Some people are unable to stay sober at all. Others will relapse periodically until they really clean house kind of want to stop there for a second. This tells me that some people are unable to stay sober at all unless we do step five, right? So my chance of going back to that horrible, miserable, painful existence that I was living prior to coming in the program, uh, that's out there. If I don't do step five, back to the book, even AA old timers sober for years, often pay dearly for skimping this step. They will tell how they tried to carry the load alone, how much they suffered of irritability, anxiety, remorse, and depression, and how unconsciously seeking relief, they would sometimes accuse even their best friends of the very character defects they themselves were trying to conceal. They always discovered that relief never came by confessing the sins of other people. Everyone had to confess his own. This practice of admitting one's defects to another person is, of course, very ancient. It has been validated in every century and it characterizes the lives of all spiritually centered and truly religious people. But today religion is by no means the sole advocate of this saving principle. Psychiatrists and psychologists point out the deep need in every human being has for practical insight and knowledge of his own personality flaws and for a discussion of them with an understanding and trustworthy person. So far as alcoholics are concerned, AA would go even further. Many of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human being, we could not stay sober. i to read that sentence again. Most of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human being, we could not stay sober. That's the second time this, the 12 and 12 has told me that I may not stay sober if I don't do step 5. Back to the book, it seems plain that that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are willing to try this. What are we likely to receive from step five? Here we go. What am I getting out of this if I do it? For one thing, we we shall get rid of that terrible sense of isolation we've always had. Almost without exception, alcoholics are tortured by loneliness even before our drinking got bad people cut us off nearly all of us suffered that feeling that we didn't quite belong either we were shy and dared not to draw near others or we were apt to be nosy good fellows ca- craving attention and companionship but never getting it at least to our way of thinking well there was always that mysterious barrier we could neither surmount nor understand. It was if we were as it was a, as if we were actors on a stage, suddenly realizing—excuse <coughs> me—that we did not know a single line of our parts. That's one reason we loved alcohol too well. It did let us act extemporaneously, but even Bacchus boomeranged on us. We were finally struck down and left in terrified loneliness. When we reached AA for the first time in our lives, we stood among people who seemed to understand. The sense of belonging was tremendously exciting. We thought the isolation problem had been solved. But we soon discovered that while we weren't alone anymore in, our social, in the social sense, we still suffered many of the old pangs of anxious apartness. Until we had talked with complete candor of our conflicts and had listened to someone else do the same thing, we still didn't belong. Step five was the answer. It was the beginning of a true kinship with man and God. This vital step, which also means by which we begin to get the feeling that we could be forgiven no matter what we had thought or done. Often it was while working on this step with our sponsors or spiritual advisors that we first felt truly able to forgive others, no matter how deeply we felt they had wronged us. Our moral inventory had persuaded us that all around forgiveness was desirable, but it was only when we resolutely tackled step five that we inwardly knew we'd be able to receive forgiveness and give it to. Another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility, a word often misunderstood. To those who have made progress in AA, it amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are. Followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. Therefore, our first practical move toward humility must consist of recognizing our deficiencies. No defect can be corrected unless we clearly see what it is. But we shall have to do more than see. The object, the objective, look at ourselves we achieved in step four was, after all, only a look. All of us saw, for example, that we lacked honesty and tolerance, that we were beset at times by attacks of self-pity or delusions of personal grandeur. But while this was a humiliating experience, it didn't necessarily mean that we had yet acquired much actual humility, though now recognized our defects were still there. Something had to be done about them. And we soon found that we could not wish or will them away by ourselves. More realism, and therefore more honesty about ourselves, are the great gains we make under the influence of Step 5. As we took inventory, we began to suspect how much trouble self-delusion had been causing us. This had brought a disturbing reflection. If all our lives we had more or less fooled ourselves, how could we now be so sure that we still weren't self-deceived? How could we be certain? That we had made a true catalog of our defects and had really admitted them even to ourselves. Because we were still bothered by fear, self pity, and hurt feelings, it was probable we couldn't appreciate ourselves fairly at all. Too much guilt and remorse might cause us to dramatize or exaggerate our shortcomings. Or anger and hurt pride might be the smokescreen under which we were hiding some of our defects while we blamed others for them. Possibly, too we were still handicapped by many liabilities, great and small. We never knew we had. Hence, it was most evident that a solitary self-appraisal and the admission of our defects based upon that alone wouldn't be nearly enough. We've had to have outside help if we were surely to know and admit the truth about ourselves, the help of God and another human being. Only by discussing ourselves, holding back nothing, Only by being willing to take advice and accept direction could we set foot on the road to straight thinking, solid honesty, and genuine humility. Yet many of us still hung back. We said, why can't God as we understand him tell us where we were astray? If the creator gave us our lives in the first place, then he must know every detail where we have since gone wrong. Why don't we make our missions to him directly? Why do we need to bring anyone else into this? At this stage, the difficulties of trying to deal rightly with God by ourselves are twofold. Though we may at first be startled to realize that God knows all about us, we are apt to get used to the quite quickly. Somehow, being alone with God doesn't seem as embarrassing as facing up to another person. Until we actually sit down and talk aloud about the what we have so long hidden, our willingness to clean house is largely largely theoretical when we are most honest with ourselves i'm sorry when we are honest with another person it confirms that we have been honest with ourselves and with god the second difficulty is this what comes to us alone may be garbled by our own rationalization and wishful thinking the benefit of talking to another person is that we can get his direct comment and counsel on our situation and there can be no doubt in our minds what that advice is going it alone in spiritual matters is dangerous how many times have we heard well-intentioned people claim the guidance of God when they, all too plain, they were sorely mistaken? Lacking both practice and humility, they had deluded themselves and were able to justify the most errant nonsense on the ground that this was what God had told them. It is worth noting that people of very high spiritual development almost always insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors the guidance they feel and have received from God. Surely then, a novice ought not to lay himself open to the chance of making foolish, perhaps tragic, blunders in this fashion. While the comment or advice of others may be no mean infallible, it is likely to be far more specific than any direct guidance we may receive when we are still still so inexperienced in establishing contact with a power greater than ourselves. Our next problem will be to discover the person in whom we are to confide. Here we ought to take much care. Remembering that prudence is a virtue which carries a high rating. Perhaps we shall need to share with a person facts about ourselves which no others ought to know. We shall want to speak with someone who is experienced. Who not only has stayed dry but is able to surmount other serious difficulties. Difficulties perhaps like our own. This person may turn out to be one sponsor but not necessarily so. If you have developed a high confidence in him and his temperament and problems are close to your own, then such a choice will be good. Besides your sponsor already has the advantage of knowing something about your case. Perhaps though your relation to him is such that you would care to reveal only part of your story. If this the situation, by all means do so, for you ought to make it a beginning as soon as you can. It may turn out, however, that you choose someone else for more difficult and deeper revelations. This individual may be entirely outside of AA, for example, your clergyman or your doctor. For some of us, a complete stranger may prove the best bet. The real tests of the situation are your own willingness to confide and your full confidence is in the one with whom you share your first accurate self-survey. Even when you found the person, it frequently takes great resolution to approach him or her. No one ought to say the AA program requires no willpower. Here is one place you may requ- it may require all you got. Happily, though, the chances are that you will be in for a very pleasant surprise. When your mission is carefully explained, and it is seen by the recipient of your confidence how helpful he can really be, the conversation will start easily, and you will soon become eager. Before long, your listener may well tell a story or two about himself, which will place you even more at ease. Provided you hold back nothing, your sense of relief will mount from minute to minute. The damned-up emotions of years break out of their confinement and miraculously vanish as soon as they are exposed. As the pain subsides, a healing tranquility takes place. And when humility and serenity are so combined, something else of great moment is apt to occur. Many a once agnostic or atheist tells us that it was during this stage of step five that he first actually felt the presence of God. And even those who had faith already often became conscious of God as they never were before. This feeling of being at one with God and man, this emerging from isolation through open and honest sharing of our terrible burden of guilt, brings us to a resting place where we may prepare ourselves for the following steps toward a full and meaning sobriety wow that is some powerful stuff right there and that's just the 12 and 12 wait till we get to the book as a matter of fact page 72 of our hymnal it leads off the chapter called into action and and this is where um, my program my program went from working this thing to living it this is is where I felt all of the the baggage that I carried around for years and years, and the stuff that I drank at, and the stuff I drank for, and the stuff I drank to hide, all of that, that just traumatic stuff, this is where my program, my serenity, and my life changed for the better. So page 72, into action. Having made a personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which, when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reason why we should do so. The best reason first. Here it comes again. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. There it is again. If I do not do step five. If I don't do step five honestly, openly, and willingly, because I believe everything this book says, it says we may not overcome drinking. Back to the book. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost inevitably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone all their life story. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents a stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension that makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder why many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance of recovery. I'm going to stop right there. right? I can't tell you how many times I went to the doctor for, you know, whatever. Like, oh, well, how you know of course, on the questionnaire, they ask how much you drink, right? Well, back then, it was like, oh, you know a couple a week, right? And of course, you know, if we're not honest with the doctor who's helping me with a medical condition, right? How am I going to be honest with somebody else? Back to the book. We must be entirely honest with someone if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before choosing the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course, will want to do this uh, properly appointed authority whose duty is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. If we cannot or would not rather do this, we search for an acquaintance for a closed-mouth understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents which will hurt them or make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand yet be unaffected. The rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be if it may be, someone so s- situated that there is no suitable person available. If that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. We say this because we are very anxious when we talk to the right person. It is important that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and prove what we're driving at, that he will not try to change our plan but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. I'm going to stop right there. So this book was written in the 30s. Um, There are far more uh, AA groups. There are far more um, AA members who we can talk to now. So um, if you're thinking about postponing step five and looking at this like I did, like it is a loophole, right? Um, I would say don't. Um, I was terrified when I went into it. I didn't want to tell my sponsor, you know, everything. Um, but you know, twice in the big book, twice in the 12 and 12, it told me if I don't do this, then that, that my chances of, of staying sober, uh, are not very good. So I, if, if you don't have a sponsor and if you don't go to church and you're very, uh, untrustworthy of a lot of people like I was, Um, you need to find someone, someone, uh, in the program to do step five with, because I, it is imperative. It was imperative for my sobriety that I do this. And I, 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 if I'm being completely honest, I was scared shitless going in because if I told him a whole life story, he was a friend of mine. Um, he may not, it might change his opinion of me. Um. But when I came out on the other side, it, his opinion of me did not change. Um, and I felt better. And I got to, I got to live in this program. And, uh, you know, things started looking up. It was awesome. So don't postpone if you can. Uh, back to the book. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. <coughs> Excuse me. We have a written inventory. And we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approaching this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and we go at it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now begin to have a spiritual experience. That feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. I can't tell you how emotional this one paragraph is, right? We go at it. We, we we're honest and we're open with another human. We actually break down this wall of, of screw you, I ain't trusting anybody and actually let somebody in because if we don't, we may drink. And if we drink, we may not make it back to the program. We may die. We are on a life and death errand. says once we've taken this step and we withhold nothing and we just put it out there and say, fuck it, you know what? Here I am. Here is, is everything I've done. This is what I've thought. This is what I've felt. This is the true me. This is not some some you know reality TV show. Here I am. Once we do that and that garbage is gone, it is just, it's relieved. And I can't tell you how it happens, but there is some spiritual entity that helps us do that help me do that we can look the world in the eye we can be alone at perfect peace and ease that is my definition of serenity i never had that before we begin to feel the nearness of our creator we have had a we may have had certain spiritual beliefs but now now once we're done with step five, we begin to have a spiritual experience. <sighs> that feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. It did for me. One day I was kind of craving, the next day it was gone. Now I was left with life problems, right? We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Oh, man. That's awesome. And then the last paragraph here is where it turned, turned around for me. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have just done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know Him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contained this 12 steps, carefully reading the first five proposals. We ask if we have admitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Kids, this is some powerful shit right here. And I guarantee anybody who has gone through step five, you just, you ask them about that feeling when they're done. If they don't get emotional. Whew. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? <clears throat> Have we skimped on any on the cement put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? All that's telling me is we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. After all those years of drinking, after all that torment that I did to myself and everybody else around me, we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. All right? We need to get the stones properly in place. We need to make the right amount of cement for our floor that we're building. means that we admitted nothing, omitted nothing. We admitted everything, omitted nothing. And that is step five. You know, it says returning home, we found a place where we can be quiet for an hour. Well, you know, I had small kids at the time or young kids at the time. So, you know, the only place I could find was my closet. So I went in the closet and uh, thought about what I'd done. Like, honestly, thought about it. And thank God of my understanding is that, you know, to let me go through with it finally. Um, you know, and, and it was at that point that all, that all the baggage, it just, it it just, it, it was gone, right? I didn't feel that weight. I didn't feel the pressure. I didn't feel um, the resentment toward myself. I didn't feel anxiety. I didn't, I, it was no, all those negative feelings were gone and I felt lighter. And I know it sounds weird and, and, and strange, but but it's true. And at this point I started to be able to live this program, to make this program my lifestyle. And it, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. So for those of you who are listening who are new in sobriety, keep working the steps, work them in order, working with a sponsor who's actually worked them, the steps themselves through this book because this book is designed for living. This book is, it will allow us to have a spiritual experience uh, with a power greater than ourselves, which will solve all of our problems, not just our drinking problem, all of our problems, because it says so. And my experience is that is true. Yeah, step five is, it, it is a turning point. So if you're new, keep chugging along, keep plugging, stick around, do the work. Honest, open-minded, and, and willing. Um, and don't quit before the miracle happens because it will. Because if you walk into a meeting of, of AA and you see people who have been sober for one day and they're alcoholic like I am, that is a miracle. That is a real-life walking, and talking and miracle. Um, I appreciate you guys' support. Um, I love you guys. Um, be happy. Help another person. And uh, just remember, recovery is effing awesome. See you all next time.